0: Warning, the episode you are about to hear contains discussion of an extremely violent and graphic crime. This episode will include graphic depictions of heinous acts, including slavery, torture, rape, other forms of sexual assault, dismemberment, and bestiality. Listener discretion is strongly advised. of ritualistic child abuse. They would sacrifice animals. Does it make you want to hate murder or does it make you want to do murder? Let's explore the darkness of mankind, one crime at a time. Welcome back to Rogue Darkness, the podcast that uncovers how the misinterpretations and misinformations surrounding witchcraft, the occult, and other beliefs have led many to do unthinkable crimes. From ritualistic killings and the demons that live in all of us, to exploration of the macabre and delving deep into the unknown, let's explore the darkness of mankind, one crime at a time. I'm your host of the Grim and Gruesome, Raven. Let's go rogue and get right into today's chilling crime. The horrifying enslavement, torture, and murder of two innocent victims, carried out by a demented cult referred to as the Yahweh cult. In August of 1985, in the rural farming town of Rulo, Nebraska, two bodies were reportedly discovered on an 80-acre farm that had been associated with the white supremacist Christian Identity Movement. When investigated, it was determined that one of the bodies belonged to a 5-year-old boy named Luke Stice, while the other was reported to be that of a local man named James Thim, age 26 at the time of his death. It was reported that evidence found at the scene suggested that both victims had been brutally tortured before they were killed, which would soon be unearthed as brought on by a man who wanted to assert his authority. But let's go back to the very beginning. In the 1980s, many farmers faced one of the worst farm crises to hit since the Great Depression. While production moved faster than the demand for product— leading the prices of goods, along with the farmers who produce the goods, profits, to fall. Faced with the devastation of bankruptcy, foreclosures, and unrelenting poverty, many farmers and their families turned to religion to aid in their troubled situations. One man would quickly rise to the occasion and take many people's desperation and longing for help, and he would turn it into one of the darkest and most horrifying cults the world has ever seen. That man was named Michael Ryan. Born on August 3rd, 1948, Michael Wayne Ryan would grow up to become a feared and sadistic cult leader. Not much is recorded about his childhood or what may have influenced Ryan in his younger years, but we'll soon see how his misguidance by the notorious white supremacist James Wickstrom was a founding member of the Posse Comitatus, an anti-Semitic, anti-government, and anti-tax group, would soon mold Ryan into a cold, callous, and evil leader himself. As a high school dropout, Ryan worked several manual labor jobs, and then became a truck driver to make a bit more money so he could help support his wife and children. Ryan reportedly worked as a truck driver until he suffered a bad back injury that unfortunately ended his driving career. This led him to frequently rely on the soothing effects of marijuana, but he still found himself searching for something to give him the strength to keep on going. This is where the detrimental teachings of James Wickstrom came into effect, changing the life of Ryan and ultimately ending the lives of two innocent souls. It was through Wickstrom where Michael Ryan became familiar with the Christian Identity Movement. Wickstrom would teach Ryan the basic tenets that the movement abided by, which included looking to the ancient Hebrew god Yahweh for direction and guidance, despite the movement being anti-Semitic. Ryan quickly became Wickstrom's main man in a sense, being one of his main recruiters, spreading their evil and delusional propaganda. While attending one of Rickstrom's rallies, Michael Ryan then met a man named Rick Stice. Rick and his wife Sandra owned an 80-acre pig farm in Rulo, Nebraska. When Sandra became ill with Hodgkin's disease, the family began looking to faith healers for help. Rick and Sandra, being regular attendees to Wickstrom's Bible studies, reached out to him and Ryan for guidance as they were desperate for help. Rick soon became a member of Michael Ryan's local group in Nebraska, and together they quickly brought in new recruits, one of which was a 23-year-old Mennonite named James Thim. We can begin to see how many people turned to the movement out of desperation and seeking guidance based on their current situations, and that they more than likely had no idea what would soon become of this horrendous group. Since many locals, just as Rick and Sandra, were seeking a savior and spiritual guidance, Michael Ryan used that to his advantage and persuaded many to follow him through his teachings of what he claimed to be the direct word of Yahweh. By taking what he learned from James Wickstrom and molding that into his own local group, he quickly rose to power. Just like Wickstrom, Ryan's teachings included many extremisms, including white supremacy propaganda, the spreading of anti-Semitism, and an immense loathing and distrust of authority, including the government. They focused on a belief that the War of Armageddon was soon going to occur, and used that fear to recruit others. Although his beliefs were extreme, given their current situation, many fell victim to his words and essentially became brainwashed by his teachings. By spreading fear, he also spread misinformation and turned his trusting followers into brainwashed sheep. Because he believed the government had continually wronged him and his followers, Michael Ryan and his growing cult would carry out burglaries during the night over a course of several months to resell the stolen items for a profit or to keep items to stock up for their perceived doomsday. With an immense fear of the coming of the end of the world, the cult began to accumulate weapons and supplies they believed would be needed for the Battle of Armageddon. The cult believed the last battle would ultimately manifest itself in the form of a race war, so this further separated them from the rest of the world, breeding their racist and hateful message to anyone who would listen. To keep his followers under his control, Ryan would tell them that he could speak directly with Yahweh and that he had the spirit of the Archangel Michael within him, guiding him in his teachings. If any of the followers disobeyed anything he instructed, Ryan would tell them that they would anger Yahweh, and then Yahweh would no longer protect them from the evil of Satan. Instilling fear and brainwashing tactics onto his followers, Ryan had a heavy grip and wasn't about to let up on it. To take his abuse of his followers even further, Michael Ryan met Jim Haverkamp's sister Cheryl, whom he immediately wanted to marry despite both of them already being married to their own spouses. Quick side note, Jim Haverkamp was actually one of the first followers to help Michael Ryan with growing the cult. I don't think I mentioned that previously, so I wanted to include that little bit of information for reference. To get what he wanted, Ryan told Cheryl that if she didn't leave her husband Lester, that it would go against what Yahweh wanted, and that her husband and children would be punished by Yahweh, and they would perish in a horrible accident being filled with dread and fear cheryl took her five children and moved in with ryan and his current wife and kids not even telling lester where or why they were leaving ryan continually told her that lester was on satan's side further moving her mentally away from her true family the saddest part is that lester cheryl's husband not knowing where his wife and kids were, spent years posting flyers and hiring private investigators to try and find them, but to no avail. So now let's fast forward to June, 1984. At this time, Ryan had married Cheryl, so now he had two wives and numerous children between the two wives. They, along with the Haverkamp family and James Thim. All moved on to the 80 acre farm that Rick and his family owned in Rulo, Nebraska. This would soon turn into their commune and the unfortunate place of death for James Thim and Rick's five year old son, Luke. Living in just two small trailers on the huge lot of land, there came a time where Ryan claimed that Yahweh told him to remarry, which caused him to have a total of five wives. You would have hoped that the mixture of brainwashing with adultery and molestation would have caused the followers to turn away from Michael Ryan, but unfortunately that never happened, and it just continued to get worse. In December of 1984, Michael Ryan made a speech about how there was a lot of jealousy going on at the ranch, and that if it didn't stop, they would all lose their children. What this meant is up for speculation but we can only imagine what would have happened to those poor children if Ryan deemed a wrong decision had been made. Michael Ryan told the members that they could choose to leave if they wanted to, or that they could choose to stay. Staying meant they were to remain in the cult forever, and that there would be no option to leave after that. But if they attempted to leave, they would be hunted down and killed. Ryan instilled in them that leaving the commune meant that they were doomed to hell. It wasn't until the early months of 1985 where doubt amongst the members began to rise. James Thim, Rick Stice, and reportedly even Luke Stice all had their doubts about Ryan's teachings. Although five-year-old Luke never verbally stated any doubt, Ryan apparently claimed that he could read his followers' thoughts, and that both him and Yahweh were not pleased by the doubt, and that those doubting him were deemed to be punished. James and Rick were quickly demoted to slave status, while Luke was demoted to dog. Rick and James were given less desirable work to do from then on out, always put on guard duty, taking care of the livestock on the farm, and cleaning up all the dishes. He also forced the men to exercise for long hours at a time, to the point where they were so exhausted, more than anyone should ever have to endure. Ryan reportedly threatened to cut off Rick's penis and threatened to skin James alive, and he also threatened to burn them alive if they didn't abide by what he commanded. And in case you were wondering, Michael Ryan showed no leniency or mercy to young Luke. According to court documents, Luke was called Dog a mongrel, and even dog shit. Luke was spat on, shot in the arm, had Ryan's cigarette ashes put out in his mouth, and at one point, Ryan even wrapped a whip around his little neck, lifting him off of the ground while yelling at him, this is the mongrel, this is the seed of Satan. Luke reportedly was made to eat all his meals off of the floor while his father Rick was forced to paint the presumed Mark of the Beast, 666, on his son's back. Members would also reportedly take Luke outside when it was freezing cold out, make him undress down to his underwear, and then would roll him around in the snow. They would also be repeatedly drenching him with ice water and then force him to stay outside in the cold. Honestly, everybody, this is really hard to read because this little boy was only five years old. Five years old. That's just a year older than my own daughter. My heart breaks for this poor little boy. All the followers are at fault for this. Anyone who stood by and allowed the horrific acts to happen to their own members are at fault. This is such a horrifying case, so please be warned. It's going to get much worse. By March, Ryan claimed that Yahweh had communicated with him that James, Rick, and Luke were still having negative thoughts about Ryan and his movement, and that they needed to be punished further. It was reported that Ryan claimed that Yahweh told him that James needed to sodomize Rick in front of the group, and that he needed to make Rick hurt. Afraid of the potential repercussions if he refused, James did as he was told. As if that wasn't horrific enough, Ryan even stated that Yahweh now demanded Rick to perform oral sex on his young son Luke, and that Luke had to do the same to his father, all while in front of the group. Both Rick and Luke unfortunately obeyed the commands out of fear. On the heartbreaking date of March 25, 1985, Ryan reportedly got angry with Luke and proceeded to pick up the small boy and then repeatedly slammed his head into a cabinet three times. On the third hit, Luke was knocked unconscious and was reported to have died later that evening. Rick and James were forced to dig a shallow grave and bury Luke within it. They were reportedly not allowed to mark the grave per Ryan's command. A few days after Luke's tragic murder, Rick Stice was then forced to have sex with the goat that was on the farm. This act of forced bestiality reportedly happened on three separate occasions. At one point, Michael Ryan and one of his five wives, Lisa, left the farm to go on their honeymoon. In his absence, Ryan appointed his own son, Dennis, along with Timothy Heverkamp, in charge of the farm while he was away. Rick Stice took the opportunity to escape, leaving his two other sons, who were only seven and nine at the time, at the farm. He wasn't gone long, though, due to his obsessive thoughts of eternal damnation that Ryan had ingrained in his head. Upon his return to the farm, Rick was abruptly chained to the porch of one of the on site trailers. Alongside him, James Thim was also chained an apparent message that they were never going to have the opportunity to escape again. On April 4th of 1985, Rick was unchained in order for him to go into town to cash his social security check. For some reason, no one accompanied him, and he took this opportunity to try and escape once more. It was then that Rick went into hiding. When Michael Ryan realized that Rick officially escaped out of his grip, he turned to James and decided to take his anger out on him. One pastime on the farm that became a usual occurrence that Ryan promoted was having the members smoke some pot and then go practice shooting their guns on site. On one such occasion, Ryan's son Dennis ended up shooting James Thim in the face. The shot was not fatal, but to add insult to the injury... James was prohibited from going to the hospital to have the wound treated. When being shot in the face and denied medical aid wasn't enough to fulfill Ryan's sick, sadistic game, the cult proceeded to torture James in horrific ways. James was chained to the porch of the trailer at almost all hours of the day, for every day. He was given minimal food on sparse occasions, and it was reported that he was only allowed to eat small birds that the group had shot. Just like Rick had been punished prior to his escape, James, too, was forced to have sex with the goat while in front of the whole group. On April 17th, 1985, the cult had reportedly cooked a wild turkey, but the meat ended up being extremely dry. Ryan then accused James of poisoning the turkey, and after his accusations, he forced James to eat the meat. But when James didn't get sick from it, Ryan was once again enraged. Michael Ryan believed he had to teach James a lesson, and by that, he forced James to have sex with the goat in front of everyone once again. After the excruciatingly mortifying act of humiliation was carried out once again, James was taken to an old barn on the farm that had previously been used to confine pigs. James was then chained up within the barn for the night. While chained, without any way to protect himself, different men within the cult, including Michael Ryan his son Dennis Ryan, Timothy Haverkamp, Jim Haverkamp, and John Andreas all took turns violently beating James. The next day, on April 18th, Ryan told John Andreas to take James a bowl of granola to feed him. All the while, Ryan had reportedly been telling the other men in the group that Yahweh would be pleased if James would survive four to five days of being tortured. When the men were all done eating and were ready to carry out their heinous acts, they went to the barn where James was confined. They then forced James to strip naked and ordered him to bend over a farrowing crate, which is a small pen where pigs are confined to deliver and nurse their piglets. Michael Ryan told James that he had not done a good enough job having sex with the goat the night prior, and therefore, Ryan would now be raping him, but with the handle of a shovel. To make it more torturous, it was reported that all five men within the cult took turns savagely molesting James with the handle of the shovel. It was reported that Ryan instructed the men that Yahweh wanted the handle to be inserted between 8 to 10 inches into James. All the while, James was writhing and screaming in agony. To quiet the screaming, Ryan proceeded to kick James in the head and then taped his mouth shut. The men decided to take a short break from their abuse, and at that time, Ryan then forced a half-conscious James to sign over his car title to fellow cult member Timothy Havercamp, whose birthday was apparently that same day, and that was going to be his birthday present. Their little meal break didn't last long, though, and soon the men were back at it, torturing poor James and showing him no mercy. During the second round, Ryan reportedly shoved the handle a total of 24 inches, two feet, into James' body, which ultimately ended up rupturing his rectal wall. This was not enough to please Ryan or Yahweh, as he continuously claimed, and he decided to retrieve a large pickaxe that had a three-inch handle, in which he then shoved the handle into James's rectum, harming him even further. The cult members then untied James from the crate and hung him by his wrist on an overhead auger within the barn. The five men there then proceeded to give James 15 lashes each on his back with a leather whip. It has been reported that the whole time he was being brutally whipped, James was crying out to his god for mercy and comfort, pleading, I'm so sorry, Yahweh. Please forgive me for what I've done. Please stop this, Yahweh. Please. Please. After he had suffered through 75 painful lashes, James was then untied and given a sleeping bag to Lion within the barn. He was once again chained so he couldn't escape, and then they left him in the barn the rest of the night, suffering alone in extreme pain. It was reported that the following morning, Ryan felt Yahweh wasn't pleased and needed them to punish James even further. They proceeded to go to the barn and repeated their abuse from the night before, giving James another 75 lashes on his back. At this point in time, James had endured a horrifying total of 150 lashes to his back. He was untied, and the men then forced him to lie down on his back, which alone would have caused severe agony. While on his back, they then tied James to a pipe where he then received 15 more lashes from each man, this time to his front side, covering his entire chest and stomach. After being exposed to so much excruciating pain as he had, and with so much energy drained from his body, James couldn't even cry out anymore. He only moaned when he was hit with the whip. Not hearing screams though apparently displeased Michael Ryan, who then scolded James, telling him to shut up and that it was only going to get worse. Michael Ryan proceeded to take James's left hand and tied it palm up on a block of wood. He then took a pistol and shot one of James's fingertips off. The other men there were reportedly crying at this point and didn't want to continue the torture, but they were too afraid of what would happen to them if they were to stop. Each man then took a turn, shooting the rest of James's fingers and thumb off with the pistol. Ryan reportedly told the men that Yahweh demanded that James be dead by the afternoon that same day. When the men all returned to the barn that afternoon, Michael Ryan proceeded to kick James's arm to which it immediately broke from the force. Ryan then told James he was going to skin him alive. Using a razor blade, Ryan began by making an incision into James' leg. Then, he took a pair of pliers and began pulling strips of skin off of his leg, reportedly all the while showing the skin to James, as if mocking him. Dennis, Ryan's son, was reportedly told to break James' leg. Dennis took a 2x4 piece of wood and began hitting James repeatedly until his leg broke. Ryan then told Dennis that there was an easier way to break a leg he placed James' other leg onto a block of wood within the barn and then instructed another member, Timothy, to hit it with the 2x4. When Timothy hit James' leg, it immediately cracked in two from the brute force. Ryan then stepped on top of James' chest and began to stomp on him repeatedly, ultimately crushing his ribs and killing him. After seeing that James had died, Ryan ordered another member, Jim, to go get a sleeping bag. They then placed James along with the clothes he had been wearing the day prior to his torture into the sleeping bag, and then took his body out into the field. They then started to dig his grave. Once the grave was dug to Ryan's satisfaction, they placed James' body into the grave. Michael Ryan still had one last demand, though. Timothy was ordered to shoot James in the head. It would be one last act of dominance over James. Even after James' horrific torture and death, Michael Ryan still wanted to feel in control. June 25th, 1985. This was the date when everything would come undone. The atrocities that occurred on the pig farm in Rulo, Nebraska, would soon be uncovered, and Michael Ryan and his confidants would soon be brought to justice for the crimes they had committed. It just so happened that two of the cult members, Jim Haverkamp and John Andreas, had been arrested in Kansas for stealing farm machinery and getting caught. Fortunately, when they were caught and brought in for questioning, they began telling the authorities about what had happened at the farm under Ryan's command. Word got around, and when Rick Stice heard about Jim and John talking to the police, he too went in and told them his experience. The FBI, ATF, Nebraska State Patrol, and the local county police department all went to the farm to search for the bodies of James Thim and Luke Stice. When thoroughly searching the grounds, they quickly found James on the second day of searching. Upon their discovery, all male members within the cult were arrested. Michael Ryan and his son Dennis, as well as Timothy Haverkamp, were all charged with first-degree murder based on the crime scene findings. An autopsy was then performed on James's body, and it unearthed the horrific abuse he suffered prior to his death. Michael and Dennis Ryan went on trial in March of 1986, and at that time, Timothy had already pleaded guilty to a lesser sentence of second-degree murder. When asked by authorities why he had participated in the torture and ultimate murder of James Thim, Dennis Ryan said, Because that's what Yahweh wanted. A clear indication of the immense brainwashing the cult members faced while Michael Ryan was in control. Michael and Dennis Ryan were both tried and found guilty. Michael Ryan of first-degree murder and Dennis, of second-degree murder. Michael Ryan was sentenced to death in October of 1986, while Dennis Ryan was given a life sentence, but was ultimately released in 1997, after being in prison for just 12 years. Jim Haverkamp and John Andreas both pleaded guilty to assault charges, and were then sentenced to 26 years in prison, but both were released in 1998. Timothy Haverkamp was sentenced to 10 years to life in prison, but he too was released from prison in 2009. The cult leader Michael Ryan lived out his sentence in prison until May 24, 2015, when he died while incarcerated at the age of 66, reportedly from cancer. It was reported that Ryan wholeheartedly believed, up until his very last breath, that the horrific crimes he had committed against James Thym. Luke Stice, and anyone else he had harmed while in control were all in the name of his god yahweh so that was the heartbreaking angering and forever disturbing case of the yahweh cult and how michael ryan and his members enslaved tortured and ultimately murdered james thim and luke strice i know this was a rough one But please let me know your thoughts on this case, and if you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to contact me at roguedarknesspod at gmail.com. You can also reach me directly on Instagram or Twitter, at rogue underscore darkness. I'm honestly always interested in hearing your thoughts or feedback on my cases, as well as hear any suggestions you may have for future ones you'd like me to discuss. All the links to the articles referenced in this episode, as well as my socials and contact information, are all down below for your reference. If you like what you hear on Rogue Darkness, please consider sharing this podcast with your family and friends, on social media, and also by leaving a rating and review on Apple iTunes or wherever else you can leave a review. It's definitely the best way to help the show get more noticed. And as I've mentioned, I do have a Ko-fi page set up, so if you ever want to check it out or to submit a donation to help the show keep growing, the link is down below in the description. Any support on there is always greatly appreciated, but it's never expected. And with that said, that concludes this week's episode of Rogue Darkness. The darkness is all around us, and I can confidently say that reality truly is more terrifying than fiction. Until next time. Hello, my lovely listeners. I wanted to take a little time to tell you about an amazing company created by my friend Kelly called Space Witch Nails. Space Witch Nails are beautiful press-on and reusable nails handmade by Kelly herself and that are made for all genders, all tastes, and all aesthetics. The brand name perfectly describes her style, specializing in space and witchy themes, You know, being a practitioner myself, I always strive to support others within the community. And Kelly is such an amazing artist who brings the beauty of occultism to life through eye-catching artwork on each nail set. Supporting small businesses is more important now than ever, and I highly recommend Space Witch Nails for all your nail needs. Whether you're looking for something dark, sultry, glam, or even cutesy, Space Witch Nails has what you need. And if you visit her Etsy shop using the link down below in the description box, be sure to use the code ROGUE25 at checkout to get 25% off your entire order. That's R-O-G-U-E 2-5. Hello, this is Lafayette. And I'm Carlos. From Nerds Talking the Podcast. That's right. Where we talk about everything from UFOs, comic books, movies, Uh streaming services, conspiracy theories, ghosts, Mm. video games, and more. All on Nerds Talking the Podcast. You can find us every Friday with new episodes on all digital platforms where you find your favorite podcast, Nerds Talking the Podcast. Now back to the show.